Okay, we are on the top of 14b, and we are continuing the topic of the 18 enactments that the sages had passed on the day in which they came to the Aliyah, to the attic of Hananiah ben Cheskiah. And we're up to the enactment that we call Tvul Yom. The Tvul Yom enactment was that if someone goes to the mikveh during the day that they're going to become ritually pure, they have to wait until nightfall for the ritual purity to actually take place. And the Gemara thinks at this point that that's being included in the list because it's a rabbinic enactment. The problem is that's actually explicit, explicit in the Torah. So on the third line of the page, is explicit in the Torah. It's not a rabbinic enactment. Because it says, And when the sun comes down, then they become ritually pure. So why are you saying it as if it's a rabbinic enactment? It's actually on a Torah level. So take out from our list of the 18 enactments. Next case. It says that the food items become ritually impure with touching mashkin, with touching liquids that are ritually impure. The mashkin demai. What's the case of mashkin that they're ritually impure and are able to impart ritual impurity to the food items? It might be helpful to have the chart that Jonathan shared with us on, um, on WhatsApp in front of you when, you when we go through this Gemara. So the Gemara says, what's the case? If we're dealing with Liquids that became ritually impure due to touching a sharetz, those, those, uh, when those mashkin touch a sharetz, they become ritually impure on a first degree level of impurity. And then when they touch food, they will make that food ritually impure because that's only a second degree impurity, which liquids are able to impart second degree impurity to food items if the liquids themselves are first degree impurity, which they will be if they touched a sharetz. So that's not a rabbinic enactment, that's a daraisa, that's a Torah enactment, it says any drink that you drink can become ritually impure and, and also make impure another food that it touches. Cases like this. The rabbis already made an enactment that hands are automatically considered ritually impure because they are as him. They're busy touching things. Now, if those hands that have not been washed touch a liquid, that liquid becomes ritually impure. And that liquid is able to make another food item ritually impure. That is a rabbinic enactment, because on a Torah level, the hands are ritually pure and nothing started. Why did they make this enactment by these types of liquids? Because they said, once these liquids become ritually impure, even though they became ritually impure, only due to rabbinic concern, that they're touching hands that are ritually impure only on a rabbinic level. But if we said these liquids cannot spread impurity any further, then people would get confused and think that liquids in general do not spread any further. And that's not true, because on a Torah level, liquids that touch a sharetz do spread impurity further. Now, next case. Then it tells us another enactment is that vessels can, utensils can also become ritually impure with liquids. What's the case of these vessels that became ritually impure with liquids? If we're talking about where they are, the mashkin, the liquids that a zav gives off, that a zav, someone who's had this, um, this discharge from his organ and he now has this ritual impurity called zav, and if he spits or if he urinates or anything that he does, any secretions that come out from his body, those types of liquids that are ritually impure and are able to impart impurity to vessels, that's a halach in the Torah, that they're able to impart impurity to vessels. It says that if a zav spits at something that is ritually pure, it becomes ritually impure. So we see that that's already on a Torah level, ritually impure. Once again, we're talking about liquids that come 
from a sharetz. Now, liquids that come from a sharetz, from touching a creepy crawly thing, they're ritually impure themselves, but they should not be able to impart ritual impurity to a vessel. A vessel is only able to become ritually impure on a Torah level if it touches a a, um, an avhatumah. So if it touches a dead body, if it touches someone who touches a dead body, but not if it touches a liquid that has only become ritually impure from touching something that's ritually impure. That should not be able to make a vessel specifically ritually impure. Vessels are in a different category than foods and liquids. And only on a rabbinic level does it make it ritually impure. Why is it ritually impure? It's xera. It's an enactment unto the actual zav and, the, the actual zav and, and his hands. Talmidei Shammai Hillel Gazer. The Mishnah tells us that the Talmidei, the students of Shammai, and the students of Hillel made this Xerah when they met together in this Aliyah, in this attic. Shammai Hillel Gazer. It's not the students of Hillel and Shammai. It's Shammai and Hillel themselves who made this Xerah, this enactment. The Tanya. They, these two Tanayim, they said that the other lands of the earth have a state of ritual impurity. And on and glass vessels, they can also become ritually impure. On a Torah level, glass vessels cannot become ritually impure. They said that they could become ritually impure on a rabbinic level. Shem ben Shatach, Tikein, Ksuba, Isha. Shem ben Shatach made an enactment. The enactment was that a woman needs a Ksuba. When she gets divorced from her husband, she needs a Ksuba. She needs to get the, uh, whatever you want to call that, I guess a severance package, to ensure that people don't get divorced that quickly. And he also says that a metal vessel can become ritually impure. Shammai and Hillel themselves made an enactment that hands can become ritually impure. But the Mishnah sounds like, what did who made these gzeras? The students of Shammai and Hillel. It wasn't the students of Shammai and Hillel. It was Shammai and Hillel themselves. Maybe you'll tell me when he said Shammai and Hillel, we didn't mean Shammai and Hillel themselves. We meant Shammai and Hillel together with their students made this gzera, made this enactment. That's not possible. Because we know that there were 18 different enactments that were passed on that day. Were there actually 18 things that Shammai and Hillel argued about? In other words, the Mishnah sounds like there were 18 things that they argued about. On that day, they found that the students of Shammai outnumbered the students of Hillel, and therefore they passed 18 enactments. Now, you can't tell me that this means that Shammai and Hillel themselves were part of this conversation, and there were 18 things that they were arguing about, and 18 things that Shammai was able to pass because they had a majority and rammed it through. You can't tell me that that's true. Shammai and Hillel only ever argued about three different questions. So this cannot be referring to 18 enactments that Shammai and Hillel were involved in. And only three places they argued about. Masula and nothing else. Shammai and Hillel only argued three places. The students argued in 300 places. Maybe what happened is Shammai and Hillel passed the initial enactment. The initial enactment was that if something becomes ritually impure due to the levels of impurity of these 18 levels, then they only have to be, they held that if something becomes ritually impure, it doesn't have to be burnt, but it becomes ritually impure. And their students passed the higher level of, of enactment that it actually has to be burnt. But, Ilfa says that the initial enactment was right from the beginning that it has to get burnt. So you have to say like this. Shammai and Hillel indeed came and made this Xerah initially that hands become ritually impure. But nobody listened. They didn't accept it. When the students came, they made the Xerah and at that point everybody accepted it. Now the Gemara asks another random question in a very... That really this Xerah was far earlier than Shammai and Hillel. Shlomo Malach himself made this Xerah. The Amr of Yehuda Amr Shmuel. Yehuda says the name of Shmuel. 
Mini im chacham libech yismach libi gam ani. So it says like this: the pasuk tells us, Gemara tells us that um, when when Shlomo Melech made two two enactments, one enactment was Erevin, the laws of Erevin, and one enactment was the law that you have to wash your hands before eating food, before eating bread. So at that point, a baskal, a voice came out from the heavens and said. My son, if you have become very wise, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be happy together with you. We see over here that Hashem is saying, so to speak, that Shlomo Melech Zerah, about washing hands, made Hashem be very happy because of the wisdom of Shlomo HaMelech. Now, we see that Shlomo Melech passed the Zerah, passed the enactment of, not wash, of washing your hands before you eat food. So why are we saying that it was Shammai and Hillel? It was not Shammai and Hillel, it was far before Shammai and Hillel. So, you have to say like this. Shlomo Malach came and he made this enactment that if you don't wash your hands before eating kachim, before eating food that is set aside for the Beis HaMikdash, then that food becomes ritually impure. They came along Shama and Hillel later and said that not just when it comes to eating, when it comes to eating uh, food that's been set aside for the Beis HaMikdash, but even when it comes to eating <coughs> truma, if you eat truma without having Without having washed your hands previously, that truma will become ritually impure. Okay, we have another uh, two blad or so in this conversation, and then we're going to get to more Shabbos-related topics. So hang in there, guys. Have a great Shabbos. I hope everybody is doing well. Take care. Bye-bye.